Why do we work hard to solve small problems? Why do we reinvent ourselves and our clients over and over? And why are we giving away marketing strategy for free? It's time to bring home bigger paychecks. It's time to create the lifestyle we deserve and to make a greater impact. This is the Fractional CMO Show, and I'm Casey Stanton. Join me as we explore this growing industry and learn to solve bigger problems. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Fractional CMO Show. And today we're talking about core values. And the first thing that I always thought of when I heard core values for the majority of my career was this platitude, garbage, uh, corporate speak that companies have that whenever someone hears it, their eyes audibly roll back to hit you know the back of their head. And um, I want I want to share with you why I think core values are actually important. And I'm going to give you a couple core values that I think you should instill in the teams that you lead as a fractional CMO. So first, why core values? Well, it's it's simple, because you hire for them and you fire for them. That's it. They're the core values that you believe. And if you're a good leader, you have core values that you naturally exhibit, but it's difficult to share that unless you have a word for it. I mean, that's like why we have language, because we have to call things by what we refer to them as so that other people understand what we're talking about. You know, it's like when my wife asked me, hey, can you get the, uh, the uh, doohickle, the thingamajig, right? Like when there's, no, when there's no word for the thing that she wants, I don't know what she wants. When you're able to articulate the value that you want someone to embody, it's easy then to ensure that they're embodying it. And if they're not, that you call them out and coach them up to it. And then ultimately, if they continue to not uh, exhibit that core value, that you let them go. Why do you fire them? Because they're not living that core value. The core value is a requirement for being on your team. And you're giving them the freedom, the space, the opportunity to go elsewhere where they can go live with their own value set, right? Like that, that's what you're doing. Um, I think it's important to remember that firing someone is not just about having them leave the company. It's also about giving them the opportunity and space to go figure out what is right for them. Because if they're not living the core values, Something's just not feeling right to them. They're probably not going to work every day excited, right? So let's talk about the first core value. I think the first core value should be to solve bigger problems. This is what I believe to be an entrepreneurial core value. I want to instill this with everyone that I touch, everyone that I lead. I want this core value to exist, solve bigger problems. Why? Because I don't want someone just taking uh, the task and just executing the task to what they understand the outcome to be. I want them to solve the big problems, which means consider the implications of doing your solution and um, uh, you know getting to the outcome. And is that actually the outcome that we want for the company? And if it is, should you be doing it manually? Should you be outsourcing it? Is there technology that should be involved? Solve the big stuff. So... What does this look like? This looks like working with someone and giving them an outcome that's large. Saying, okay, we want to launch this book um, or we want to launch this community by the end of the quarter. So we have 90 days to build out this community, build out all the marketing promotion for it and get it launched. You're going to work with the tech team on it, but this is going to be very much a marketing driven activity. That's the outcome I want them to have. Now, the solve bigger problems 
uh, core value comes into play here when they aim to achieve that outcome. They want to develop this community, launch this community. Um, they're they're not looking to launch a community, um, let's say, on uh, a really cheap. Um, non-scalable tech platform. They're considering, oh, if this is successful, maybe we should put this on some tech platform that's, you know, robust. Maybe we should consider that. Maybe we should consider how many possible members we would have over the lifetime of this community and what technology would be right for it, right? If you're working with a tech person, you want them to think that way. With a marketing person, you want them to solve the big problem, which is, you know, you want people not just to sign up to the community, but probably to interact, so you're not just thinking about getting the community built and getting a bunch of signups. You're seeing signups and then logins and then consumption of content, uh, reviewing, replying, reacting, all of those things. You're trying to solve for the actual tangible solution instead of just the paper solution. You know, you don't want someone to say, "Hey, boss, you said to launch this thing. I launched it." Right? Because because you you have to trust the intellect of the team that you're leading. You have to trust that if you give them an outcome and a mission and you support them and lead them, that they're actually going to deliver on something that is greater than you could even consider on your own because you're not spending the time reviewing platforms or writing the email copy, right? You want them to think through all of that stuff. Solving a big problem in that way, instilling that core value might be the copywriter saying, hey, we're sending these emails out, but we also have this mailing list that we haven't mailed in a while. I think that would be a good one to pull in too. Right? They're, like, they're like aiming to solve the problem in a comprehensive way. That's a huge core value. And when you see it, you say it. You say, hey, John, you just did this thing. Live in that core value of solve bigger problems. Thank you for that. That's amazing. So solve bigger problems, I think, is a great core value. Another core value I like, get in the foxhole. Get in the foxhole. Get in the foxhole comes up when you're set, you set out uh, quarterly objectives for your team. Um, you have all these direct reports. They all have their own outcomes. And then maybe you have some departmental outcomes that are really big that everyone's kind of supporting on. And every week you get together and everyone's on track for their outcomes. But then let's say you're 75% of the way through the quarter and someone says, I'm off track, I'm stuck, and I don't know what to do. You want the whole team to surround that person and help them. And you want it to happen without having to ask. So how do you do that? You create an environment of getting in the foxhole, of creating teamwork, of supporting one another. Getting in the foxhole also means as a leader, you must be willing to hop on a call with the team and help them if they're stuck. Now, I don't have all the answers. I do projects. I come up with ideas and strategies that are well beyond my capabilities. But I know that I can Google I know that I can go on Upwork and find great talent. I know that I can phone a friend if I'm stuck. I know that I can buy a course if I need to, right? There's ways to get around, um, you know, to, to cover that chasm between the idea and the actual execution. Maybe you pull in a consultant for the thing, right? I love, I love these consultants. I love these tactical experts. You know, I, I like having someone that I know who's um, really great at writing AI prompts. Like that's a great person to have in my life. Because, you know, you pull them in at the right time for the, for the right project and you're willing to pay their rates for their specialized services because they can help unstick people. So when you get in the foxhole, it means you show up and you support one another. As a leader, you must also, though, create time and space for team members to cross-train. 
So this is a nuanced thing that is so critically important long-term, which is if you set out a quarterly outcome, everyone agrees if we achieve this, you know, we're all successful, we're all very happy. And let's say you're working on it and let's say things get done ahead of schedule. Well, the first thing that you do is you celebrate the hell out of everyone that was involved, right? You just praise them. You say, you guys did it. This is amazing. I'm really proud of you. Next quarter, I'm going to put more on your plate. It's going to be harder, but I know you can do it. And I know you're going to excel, right? You're leading them. You're adding more. You're growing the company. But what do you do with this quote unquote dead space after their major outcomes are complete? Do they kind of chill out? Well, my take here is that it's a little bit of an ebb and flow. Depends on your client, depends on their business model. If they have a business model that has a lot of launches, you know, you're launching a product, you're launching a webinar, you're launching a service, whatever the launch is, if you do that kind of regularly as your business model, launches are tough, energetically tough. Um, launches, you know, should never happen on a Friday because you'll probably have to work Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's no fun. Um, if you're doing a launch model, you probably need people to work in the evenings occasionally. Maybe you do evening webinars as part of your business model. If that's the case, then you want to, you know, kind of feel out the team where, whereby like, let's say they're, they're contracted or they're employed for 40 hours a week. You might say, all right, I want you to work you know, on this project. And they're like, oh, this is a lot. I'm working 50 hours a week, 55 hours a week. You're like, I get it. It will get easier once we're done with this thing. And if they cross that hump and they're on the other side of it, maybe you give them some breathing space for a couple of weeks. Kick them out early on a Friday, right? Like you can do those kind of things to incentivize them to kind of like be in the foxhole, focus, solve the problem, and then kind of relax a little bit. Energetically, you want them to kind of Perform and then relax and train and then perform and then relax and train. It's a good flow, generally speaking, for teams, if that's your, if that's your model. Um, but the, the thing here is that you want to remember is that you need to get cross-training in. If you've got your whole team in, everyone's focused and you know, there's no holidays and there's no global pandemic that's you know, knocking people out for a week at a time, um, then maybe you know you feel okay just kind of keeping everyone full on work and just chugging along. But what happens if you lose someone? What happens if you lose someone because they're sick? Or what happens if someone goes on mat leave or paternity leave? Right? What happens if someone has an emergency with their parent and they need some time off? And because you're a caring leader, you're going to give them that time off because that is the right thing to do. And also, you hold, in the other hand, that you must achieve these outcomes. Well, you're going to lean on your team. You need your team to be in the foxhole with you. You need your team to show up and like be there to support and serve the company and pick up the slack where someone is loose, where someone has to step back. I think it's really, really important. Get in the foxhole, right? So cross-training is one of those things that you should have time for. You should think about it. How do you cross-train? Uh, if someone has a, a vacation coming up, if they have a honeymoon coming up, whatever the thing is, they're going to be gone for a while. Is the business completely reliant on that person showing up? And what happens if that person doesn't show up? You got to cross train. So get in the foxhole. That's a great core value. And I think like it should be in every single company that you work with. If there aren't core values, I think that should absolutely be one of the core values. And the third core value I want to share with you, which I think, again, is, is globally applied to all businesses, is always enthusiastic, always positive. I only want to work with people that are enthusiastic and positive. And I want to just, just you know, uh, catch this fast, which is, it's okay to be to like think of a negative outcome 
think through how that could happen. But given an opportunity of it to be, you know, a success or a failure, you want people to believe it's going to be a success and have plans in case it's a failure. You want people to be enthusiastic about doing the work, about the outcome, and you want them to be positive. Just like positivity matters. I do not want to get on a call where someone's a drag. If that happens, energetically, they're a bad fit, and I don't want them in my life. You know, like a... like a. Um, Personal development 101 is to get rid of energy vampires in your life. Do you have an energy vampire? Are you an energy vampire, right? I, I mean, if you are, then hop into therapy and, you know, explore ketamine therapy. Like, I, I don't know what's right for you, but find a way to get uh, out of that funk because people are looking at you as a leader and they want you to be this energetic leader, Um. It's okay if the work is really hard and daunting. It's okay if the business might fail if this isn't successful. That doesn't mean you can't be enthusiastic. That doesn't mean you can't be positive, right? You want to lead with that level of positivity and you want everyone else to follow suit. If someone isn't positive and isn't enthusiastic, they either have the wrong objectives, the wrong outcomes, they're on the wrong team, or they're in the wrong company, right? So either you got to... Uh, coach them, move them, or fire them. These are your only options. You just shouldn't show up to teams where people are overly frustrated, um, not enthusiastic, and not positive. I was re- recently working with a team um, that I'm volunteering with, and I, and I just love this team, love the team members. And there was just a, a lot of drag, kind of like emotional drag, And what I realized was what I got to do is I've got to remove the things that are causing drag. And in that situation, it was removing someone from the calls who thought they should be on the calls, but really weren't needed on the calls. So we kicked them out. We kicked them out of the calls lovingly. Hey, we don't need you. Uh, We want to do all this stuff and we want to present these outcomes to you. We're going to make your life better. You're going to save all this time every single week. Everything's going to be great. Right? So that's what they get to hear from us. And what we get to hear is we get to remove all of this friction and drag on the calls and focus on the good stuff. And then we start celebrating our wins very publicly. I think every time you get on a call with the entire team, if you lead a a, a weekly team meeting um, for the marketing team, you should always start off by, what's great in your life? What are you excited about? Shout out someone who's done something great. I think it's so important to have that level of enthusiasm and positivity because again, you're the change maker in these people's lives. Yes, the CEO likely hired you. Yes, you're tasked with a big outcome to generate revenue and profitability for the business. Yes, your relationship with the business is a business relationship, but your relationship to the marketing team, there's, some, there's a personal relationship there. I learned from my uh, brother who's in, in sales. Um, he's a sales manager, and I was just so surprised when I heard him say this. He said that one of his sales guys got, um, uh, had, a, had a parent pass away. And I remember hearing this years ago uh, when he was like really young in his career. Um, he flew out to the funeral because that's just what you do, right? That's a level of support you provide. And that's like the full-time sales manager. Do you do that as the fractional CMO? Are you there to support those team members when a life event like that happens? I mean, maybe you um, uh, scrape together a, a, a line item in your marketing budget that allows you to treat your team and maybe you do some silly stuff here and there, like super tongue-in-cheek, you have a pizza party. 
because it's silly and you call out how silly it is and how like companies don't invest in their employees but they have pizza parties but whatever you want some pizza and you want everyone else to have pizza like you could play that game maybe you send them gifts and i don't mean on the holidays and i don't mean for their birthday and i don't mean for their anniversary of their employment i mean you just come up with fun ideas just to kind of celebrate things uh, i was working with a team a while back and one of the team members said something like, you know, it'd be really funny is if we had a caricature artist draw us all the superheroes. And we all kind of laughed about it. And then I DM'd her and I was like, I'll give you 250 bucks to make it happen. She's like, okay. And it took like two months. And then she like dropped the image um, just in Slack one day. And it just, it was funny and it connected us all. And we laughed about how the character artist, you know, drew one person's face perfectly and the other person looked a little like a mutant. And, you know, it was just, it was just a great kind of team building activity, but that comes from a place of enthusiasm and positivity and encouragement. So these are the three core values that I think you should absolutely have in every business that you touch. And if they don't exist, you bring them. You first embody them yourself, you show up with them, you work with clients that appreciate them, and then you, you, you do them. Um, you hire for them, you fire against them. Core values are so, so, so important uh, because it gives you this clear way to see if someone is actually in alignment with the business and the mission, and obviously the core values, or if they're not. Uh, and you want to lead a team where you show up to work every day that you work, which maybe it's five days a week, maybe it's four days a week, maybe it's three days a week, whatever it is for you. You show up to work as a fractional CMO, the team shows up, and you're this breath of fresh air. I got a, a note from someone um, recently, and I said, it's really fun doing this launch with you, right? I said that to them. I said, it's fun doing this launch with you. We're doing this big launch on, on this really fun project uh, that I'm just really passionate about. And uh, that person replied to me, and they said, um, uh, something to the effect of, uh, like, thank you for giving us the advice that's actually usable so that we can actually make stuff happen. It's so fun. Like, it's easy to forget that employees show up to work every day and they're actually looking for someone to lead them, right? Like, they're looking for uh, someone to, to, to challenge them to grow someone to help them see big problems and champion them to go tackle them, someone to cheerlead them on. You know, it's like, these are what, this is what people need. Like, it's okay to spend the first five minutes of a meeting just celebrating and being excited about what you accomplished in the last week. So don't let those things get away from you. It's, it's, it's the stuff that if you were to pull a team, you know, the team doesn't care about the profitability of the business, right? They don't really care. They don't. What does the team care about? That there was a mission that was identified. Everyone bought into it. Everyone did their own special trick and tactic and role around it. And they achieved it together. And they grew as a person and they had fun doing it. It doesn't matter if it's increasing profitability or launching a new product or whatever. All those things kind of fade in the memory. But what is remembered is the feeling of it. It's the feeling of you leading them, helping them see where they can grow, and helping them achieve big outcomes. It's just, it, it has a feeling of momentum. Uh, and only the leader can provide that. So don't lose sight of that as the chief marketing officer for a company or for multiple companies. It's in the end what is going to have people reach out to you and want to be on your dream team going forward. And it's fun to start off a meeting and say, hello, global dream team. 
you know, we're back at it again. I'm excited to chat with you. It's fun to work with those people. And what you'll find is if you leave a company as the fractional CMO, you know, you finish your contract, you finish your term, maybe you're there for a year or two or whatever, and then you're done. Down the line, those people are going to look you up and say, hey, I left that company, new leadership, didn't love them. Can I work with you again? I really loved it. Right? Those people want to be on your team. And the feeling of getting the band back together again, of getting those great players back together to go do something exciting, it's just like, they're like old friends, except they're smarter and better than they used to be, and you're smarter and better than you used to be, and the problems that you're going to solve are going to be even bigger, and the momentum and the outcome and the profitability, like all the things align in such a magical way. This is you thinking long-term about your career trajectory and actually honestly truly changing the lives of the people that you serve. All right, those are your three core values. Write them down, live them, instill them in your clients, hire for them, fire for them. They are solve bigger problems, get in the foxhole, and then always enthusiastic, always positive. All right, you can have more core values too. If you wanna have seven core values, that's great. But these are the minimum three that I think you must have with all the clients that you serve. If you want more information like this, if you wanna have these kind of conversations, if you wanna be in community with other killer fractional CMOs that are serving clients that pay them three to five to 10 to $15,000 a month or more. Even some, some of our members are uh, doing asymmetric upside where they're making over $20,000 a month for a client because they have an upside with a rev share uh, agreement. If you want to do that stuff, you want to be with the leaders in the space who are doing it, building their business, building a true legacy business that they can have um, that has a brand to it that they're able to uh, you know, maybe hire people into the future on or just run themselves. If you want to grow it and make a whole bunch of money or you want to grow it and make a great living and just kind of work as little as possible and have as much leverage and, and, and life as possible. Whatever your thing is, it is possible as a fractional CMO. You can grab a copy of my book to learn more. Go to cmox.co slash book, cmox.co slash book, and grab a copy of my book, the number one Wall Street Journal bestseller, The Fractional CMO Method. Take a peek at that. Uh, there's a free toolkit in there with a bunch of great tools that you can use, and then you can book a call with my team. Instructions are in the book. All right. I hope this finds you well and have an awesome day. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information and episodes, visit our site at fractionalcmoshow.com. Go ahead and punch that like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot, at least to my mom. 